Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get ready your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with savewithconrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. spoken here on the extreme life of matt hardy presented to you by the ad free shows and podcast heat networks i of course am john alba joined as i am every single week by the broken one the woken one the spoken one himself live from the great white north mr matt hardy how are we my friend i'm very very north very north and very west i am in edmonton alberta canada i feel like lance storm whenever i say that um shout out to lance by the way just gonna say too. Uh, yesterday was a hell of a travel day, man. It was it was slated to be thirteen hours if everything went on time. It ended up being seventeen hours, so it almost took me a day to get here. And I'm here for less than a day as well. I'm I'm here for like seventeen hours, and then I turn around and make the uh, make the pilgrimage back to Raleigh, North Carolina. Not for nothing, buddy. Not for nothing. But <laughs> maybe this has something to do with the fact that you live in the forest. Have you ever thought about that? No, this had nothing to do with the fact that I live in the forest. Because if I lived in in the midst of Raleigh, North Carolina, in a skyscraper in a high-rise apartment, it would have still been the same travel. That I'm just change. suggesting maybe being closer to a major, major airport could help with some of your travel woes. Some of them, but uh, everybody had them though. We love Hardy Country. I get it, man. I, I get what, it. What, hey. what, what, what city do you think would be the best? I'm going to use an example here. Give me, get, give okay. me. Off the top of your head, what, what's the best airport you could have got there the quickest with? <laughs> There's no such thing as a best airport in my travel experiences, and I'm sure. What are you talking about country. from a major city? I would say traffic-wise in terms of, like, actually getting out yeah. would probably be an Orlando, a Chicago, uh, something like that. All right. Well, I was just going to say, all the people in New York last week when we were in Hamilton. New York was a disaster last all, week. All, all of their flights got canceled, and they yeah. all they drove. They drove ten hours. To Holy moly! Yikes! And drove back too. New York was a disaster last week. I will give you that. 
uh, 100%, my friend. We are live on ad-free shows right now. Joe Moore says, hey, it's Matt. And uh, Josh Field says, the one himself. Josh, what up, guys? You know, uh, you know, John, I always love having the top guys and top gals in here. It always, uh, oh. always adds a whole nother layer of fun to our podcast. Absolutely. I love having them listening live. Absolutely does. Joe says, Casey has got the best airport, been to a handful, but can't beat it. Kansas City, what do you think about that, man? Uh, interesting. Uh, Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken, they still have the real weird gates, right? It, it could, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm thinking that Kansas City is the one that has like the security and you go through just to get to like three or four separate gates. There's like a ton of securities. Have you ever flown through Kansas City? Oh, I never flown through Kansas City. It was a big Southwest deal. And, and there used to be even you would go through security like for two or three separate gates. And I, th- I think they've expanded that a little bit now. And they, they may have built a new terminal or something. But Kansas City was always a very, very different airport. I remember that very much. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I was unaware of that. Uh, but one thing I'm keenly aware of, Matt Hardy, is that of all the places that you travel to and can be traveling to, there's one place you cannot wait to get to, and that is July 18th, the legendary Kowloon. The extreme life of Matt Hardy is going live on stage in living color. Tickets on sale now, matthardylive.com, or simply call 781-233-0077. VIP packages with meet and greet signed photos a picture and other exclusive benefits are available now alongside general admission. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. And we're going to be telling stories all night long. How excited are you, Matt Hardy for the extreme life live in Boston? I am outrageously excited. And, and I'm already going to coin this right now. This is going to be on the 18th, July 18th. This is going to be a celebration of life. This is going to be my, my true 4th of July celebration because <laughs> I, I love I love coming to Canada. Canada has great wrestling fans, and I love the fact that they're digging AW as much as they are. But like the three weeks that we've been here, I've had hellish travel. So getting back to Boston is going to be our first return to the U.S. after doing three weeks worth of television in Canada. So I am super excited to make that trip up to Boston, and I feel like that's going to be my true July Fourth celebration. Because yesterday, John. I was traveling all day long. I didn't get to celebrate Independence Day. I love shooting fireworks, as you know. I'm the guy who played Broken Matt Hardy. Uh, yesterday, I celebrated the 4th of July by eating a hot dog from Hardy's and listening to your boy, Bruce Springsteen, playing Born in the USA on loop driving to the airport. That was have, my celebration for July 4th. I have many thoughts on that, but that's okay. <laughs> that's great to hear. I'm so glad that you will be enjoying Boston because you'll be taking a step up from hot dog with the delicious cuisine at Kowloon. You want to be there, guys. Matt and Real I food. are going to have an absolute blast at this show. The Extreme Life Live on Stage VIP meet and greets. Like I said, you get early access. You get to meet Matt. You get to talk him up. He's going to talk your ear off. I'm going to have to tell him, hey, we got to move on, man, because we only got a few minutes to actually get this thing done. You're going to get a signed item of your choosing from him. You're going to get a picture with him. You're going to get priority seating. You're going to get to order food early. The VIP is so worth it. If not, just come on out, say hey to us with the general admission. MattHardyLive.com or call 781-233-0077. We're so close to this thing, Matt. We are. We're uh, less than two weeks right now. And I'm going to tell you guys, once again, if you are there and you have an action figure that you won't sign, bring it to this event because you're going to get it signed as cheap as you can possibly get it done. Because if you catch me at a con somewhere, they upcharge those always because they're worth so much more. Bring your action figure and I will happily sign it that day. Can't wait to meet each and every one of you. 
and also GA, uh, you will potentially get an opportunity to get an item signed by Matt or take a picture with him. It will be on a first come first serve basis as time allows essentially after the event. So the way you guarantee yourself a chance to meet Matt is by purchasing a VIP package because you will get the time made for you. I assure you of that. This is going to be so much fun. New England is like my second home. It's going to be an absolute blast. I got a lot of friends coming from around the indie scene to come see us, Matt, and I know it's going to be a good time. And I've even had a few AEW wrestlers DM me say, hey, put me on that guest list. I want to be there. You never know who's going to show up. You never know who's going to show up. Maybe we can get get your moan man there in Boston. I think that would be... The moment would be good. I would love to kind of sit down and shoot the shit with the moment. Yeah, maybe we'll see what we can get going there. Going to be a lot of fun. Plus, Blood and Guts is going to be the next day for AEW. Uh, so it's going to be fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, a pay-per-view quality show on free TV at the TD Garden. A, a great wrestling venue that you've got some great wrestling menu- yes. memories in, which I'm sure we'll be talking about during that live show, Matt. Uh, there was something you wanted to bring up about AEW. Uh, Rampage uh, making a little move up there in in the ratings this past week. I think maybe they got that Hardy Boy rub, that Matt Hardy rub. Uh, what do you think? Well, that we were one of the feature matched. We, we were in one of the main events on Rampage. It was myself and Zay, and we took on QTB, which was uh, QT Marshall and uh, Johnny TV. And it was Johnny's uh, TV T, TV's debut in the ring. But I, I was very happy with that match. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a good little piece of business, and I was really happy with the ratings. The ratings were four hundred and fifty thousand for this particular episode of Rampage, and it turns out it was a virtual tie with Collision that aired the next night which was 452,000. So I was really proud of everybody that busted their ass on Rampage. Rampage in that 10 p.m. time slot, uh, sometimes a bit of a challenging spot, obviously, but very happy that everybody worked so hard and that we were like a virtual tower with Collision. I was very yeah. proud of everybody that, that worked hard on that Rampage. Hey, something I wanted to tee you up on that went down over in WWE land this past week, and uh, it was Money in the Bank, two items in particular I want to ask you about. Number one, uh, Roman Reigns got pinned for the first time since the summer of 2019 by your boy, Jay Uso. Nonetheless, I know how highly you think of the Usos. The Bloodline Civil War was nuts. Yeah. Crazy match. Uh, but what a huge endorsement of Jay Uso that is for Roman Reigns to do business for him. Did you have any thoughts on Roman's first pinfall coming from the Usos here? I mean, first and foremost, uh, I want to say that I love the fact how big of a story this is because Roman hasn't been pinned in so long. So obviously the first person that did it was going to be a big deal. And this is like a huge deal for Jey Uso. So I'm I'm very curious where they go from here, you know, in in this program, in the whole Bloodline story, because it's been it's been great, uh, you know. And I've said this before many, many times. It's one of the best stories ever in wrestling. So I'm excited to see what's next between Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. I know you're a big fan of equity. Does Roman being pinned before he, say, faces Cody at WrestleMania again for the championship, does that hurt that luster in any way, in your opinion? I don't know. You can kind of look at it on two two different levels. Uh, I mean, one, Roman has been pinned, but there's also another level of, like, Roman hasn't lost the title. So you have to keep that in mind, too. So we're almost working on two different levels, two different layers here with the, the Jey Uso story and the, and the Cody Rhodes story. Yeah, it was interesting. And then also with that show, John Cena made a surprise return and he hinted at the possibility of WrestleMania coming to London and people were going nuts. And coincidentally, the next day we found out or a couple days later that Wembley has now surpassed 75,000 tickets sold for all in. I just would love your thoughts on the idea of London 
and the UK getting more premium events like a WrestleMania like All In? I, I think it's cool. I mean, London obviously has a very rabid fan base for pro wrestling. And, and the fact that AEW has been there and so or, or is going there, we haven't been there yet, but they have, they're going there. And they've sold 75,000 tickets in advance before a card was ever announced was, was pretty, pretty amazing, is pretty amazing. So uh, I think there's a huge demand for wrestling in the UK for both uh, WWE and AEW. And I, I got to see a little bit of the, the SmackDown that emanated from uh, the UK and it looked great, man. I saw Kevin come out and Sammy and the crowd was just, they were going nuts, man. Mm -hmm. Super enthusiastic. And I saw some of the highlights online from money in the bank. And I, I just think it's great. I think it's a, a great time to be a wrestling fan. I think it's a great time to be a wrestler too. Been a long time since you've had a chance to walk <laughs> out in front of a stadium crowd quite like that. How much are you looking forward to getting that with Wembley? Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be great fun, and uh, I look forward to it. And I know we've got some some of the initial talks up uh, about what, what we'll, we'll possibly be doing, and and I think it's a pretty cool scenario. So super excited for it. Love that for you. Uh, one more thing I want to hit before we get into our episode about great balls of fire, Matt Hardy, which is a Vince McMahonism if I've ever heard one. Uh, is that unfortunately last week as we dropped our episode, we lost uh, Draws, someone who. You were around during the height of the Attitude Era. He suffered a tragic accident in 1999 in the ring at a SmackDown taping. Gone way too soon. But someone who really did try to make the most of his life after his accident. And kind of like you, look at the optimistic side of things. Uh, any comments on Draz's passing or recollections of anything from that time period? Very sad news to hear. I was very sad by that. Uh, Darren was always very... Very cool to be around, like always a very easygoing guy. You know, we weren't super close, but we worked together quite a bit. Uh, I worked with him some when he was doing the LOD 2000. I also worked with him when he teamed with Prince Albert, A-Train. Uh, he was always full of life. He was always full of laughter. He is. He was one of those guys that, you know, whenever you knew that whenever he stepped into the room, he wanted to, like, lighten the mood of the room. He wanted to make people laugh. He wanted to put smiles on faces. And he was just just a very cool, easygoing guy, man. And he, he was just a good human being. And it, it was terrible. I mean, that's burnt in my mind the night that he got injured. I was in the Nassau Coliseum. I was watching it from the TBL, the TV locker room. And I remember seeing it live when it happened. I was like, oh, my God, ooh, it was one of those things where you cringe. But, again, it didn't look terrible. I, I would not have expected him to be paralyzed from the bump that he took. But, unfortunately, he was. And uh, it changed the course of his life. But he really did go into it with as much optimism as could be humanly possible for a scenario that he was in. And he would show up at WWE events later on. It was always great to see him, man. He would always be smiling, and he would always be uh, trying to put smiles on faces and make people laugh. So rest in peace, Draws, and Godspeed, my friend. Yeah, definitely going way too soon. But, of course, when you talk about Draws, everyone knows the clip that – is forever associated with him is him and Vince McMahon in the documentary where Vince is being introduced to draws and the whole lore of him is, well, you know, he can puke on, on command. And Vince is like, yeah, prove it, pal. What do you want? You want some coffee? What are you going to do? You're going to puke. You're going to puke. You're going to throw up. You're going to puke. What are you going to do? He's going to puke. He's going to puke. He's going to puke. I'd love he's to gonna puke. He he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna puke. Yeah, that's what an iconic clip that is. <laughs> the most famous 
that was one of the first things I remember telling like, my wife, just like that's by far his most famous clip. It's crazy how that is. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think any clip better encompasses Vince McMahon's energy than he's Yeah, <laughs> very much so, yeah. <laughs> just like when he asked uh, you to puke on MVP. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he said, Matt Hardy, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to puke. I committed myself to the gig. I drank some stuff that legit made me sick. <laughs> Why do you think Vince loves bodily functions so much? Uh, bodily functions, bodily fluids. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's got a hold on him, obviously. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's something stemming from his childhood. Who knows? It's, it's absolutely intoxicating for Vince McMahon, I suppose. All it's right, man. It's exhilarating for Vince McMahon. Yes, we are doing an episode on Great Balls of Fire 2017, which went down six years ago this week. Uh, I would love to know, though, before we even get into any of that, please... Hit us with that, Matt. Matt fact, Matt enjoys shooting fireworks at his enemies. Yeah, I don't think that one needs any explanation there. I think that's <laughs> pretty self-explanatory. Just one of your favorite pastimes. I, uh, I was just, just going to say, uh, I just made that video of Wolfie giving me my first tat. And I know you yeah. commented on it. We chatted about it a little bit. I've also got, I'll probably post whenever we finish recording this. Uh, I've got a little video I made yesterday of me celebrating Fourth of July. Uh, a little bit of a, a, a little sarcasm in the video, obviously. And then uh, at the very end, I say this is what I really view as a celebration. It's a little montage of me murdering people with fireworks. I like that. I like that. Joe yeah. says McMahon seems like he's got a good sprinkle of Beavis and Butthead in him. Uh, just just a little bit there. I would agree with that, Joe. All right, so we're going to do something a little different in talking about this pay-per-view. Normally, when we do builds, Matt, we go deep into depth on the different uh, matches and stories that went up to said match with you. But I want to go through each match on this card and spend a little more, a little more time on that before we actually go into uh, discussing and watching the 30-minute Iron Man tag team match that you guys had with the bar, Sheamus and Cesaro, for the Raw Tag Team Championship in 2017. So let's turn back the clock a little bit. Post-WrestleMania, you guys win the Tag Team Championship. You come back at WrestleMania 33, iconic moment, maybe the greatest moment of your career, you've said. Uh, the bar, a tag team that was quite literally thrown together as strange bedfellows having a best of seven between themselves and commissioner McFoley wanted to see what kind of chemistry they'd have as a tag team. And eventually they become very successful. What did you think of the pairing of Cesaro now known as Claudio and Seamus? They were the original BCC, the original Blackpool combat club. Cause they'd go in there and beat the shit out of everybody. Uh, it was one of those, you, you know, if you're working with those guys, you were in for a, a, a very physical night. Uh, th that's, that's, that's the first thing. Like, uh, guys like that. I love working TV with live events. Uh, not as much. Not, I'm more of an entertainer at this stage. I like someone who's uh, big on entertaining the crowd as opposed to having to physically put your body through a ring or, you know, sometimes once you get 30 years deep, you want to kind of chill a little bit on the shows and just entertain people as opposed to like beat each other up. But they, they were both very extremely talented both very physical competitors and, and both kick-ass, you know, wrestlers, fighters. The two of them were on very interesting paths in WWE prior to becoming a tag team. Cesaro won that first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. It seemed like he had all the tools that you would want in someone 
to be a main event star in Vince McMahon's WWE. Maybe his weakness was he couldn't talk, so they put him with Paul Heyman. And you would think that's that's it. That's the magic. It's going to happen for him. And it never did. He wasn't able to get over that hump. So he gets regulated to the mid card. He eventually gets thrown in this tag team with Sheamus. Sheamus, meanwhile, is a guy who start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, main eventer. Couldn't really find his character. Was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? And then he gets put in this tag team. And all of a sudden, Matt, there's some synergy. There's some magic. Why do you think they complemented each other so well and were able to elevate one another into this role here? They're both European. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) They're both European. I mean, come on, John. How do you not say that? That's right. Um, no, no. I mean, they're they're both very physical guys, and and I feel like they have, they have, they both have very high work ethics. They both really bust their ass, and I think they like making their wrestling look as realistic as possible. So they're 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 both into that, and they're both very very physical more than anything else. And and I think they found a great bond in that, and they they really complemented one another. Were you surprised that Cesaro never got to that next level in WWE? I I don't think I was. Because Vince, once again, Vince looks for the entertainment aspect more than anything else. As I've said before, and, and when Vince said, oh, there's just too much wrestling on this show. I mean, that's just not his priority. I mean, he, he really is more fo- focused on the characters and, and the journeys that these characters are on, you know, more than anything else. And I feel like in Vince's mind, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of times people don't even get the opportunity to really show them everything they can do. But if Vince gets something locked in his mind, like, well, this guy isn't the kind of character. He's not this larger than life personality I'm looking for. Then you're just kind of like, you're kind of in that box when it comes to Vince McMahon. And, and I, I feel like that's probably what happened with Claudio. What was your read on Sheamus during his time leading up to this? Because I'll be real, Matt. Sheamus was a guy for me who I always knew was talented. I always liked him. But I would, quite frankly, be bored by his presentation until the bar. And I think the bar turned Sheamus into a WWE Hall of Famer, where right now Sheamus is doing legitimately the best work of his career into his 40s now. Uh, okay, uh, that, that's that's very interesting. I, I always thought Sheamus, I remember when he started, he was like very green. I was actually around him. I worked with him on some live events, I know, but he was picking up on stuff really fast. He was a, he had a great attitude. He had a great mentality. He wanted to learn. He was very open to uh, receiving uh, constructive criticism and whatnot. And, and he picked up things very quickly. Seamus absorbed things very quickly. And I think that's why you saw his rise so quickly as well. You know, especially he won the W he won the WWE title very quick, right? It was against John Cena in like a table. Yeah, he beat John like Cena in a tables match. Was did that happen too early for him? I mean, I, I guess it, it, it all depends on how you look at it. Possibly, maybe. But I, I don't think that's one of those things that can hurt you if you're going to be used consistently through that. By saying that you're a former world champion, that's nothing sure. but a, a positive on your resume. Sure. Um, but but he, he had forces that, that liked him a lot within the office, and they saw big things for him, which that that's a great thing. If you go to WWE and they want to put you in the mix, even if they're pushing you into something too early because they're high on you, that, that's a very good thing. There. Yeah. Uh, you guys are thrust into working with them not long after WrestleMania, and you face off at Extreme Rules. Your matches are very physical, so much so that Jeff actually loses a tooth uh, oh. in one of your matches with them. What are your recollections of that and how that all happened? Uh, I remember there was some sort of issue with our time and our timing, 
and we had to trim something or whatever. And it just like kind of in a uh, real quick flurry, like Seamus just wham, punted and kicked him right in the face. And it was so loud. I remember it was one of those like sick noises, like the thump. And just, I remember Jeff hitting, he like looked up and just like the look at me, he's like, holy fuck. <laughs> it's that look that he just gave me real quick, like, fuck, he just kicked the shit out of me, you know? And then like, obviously the tooth was gone. The refs put it, put it in his pocket. Uh, obviously he was missing a tooth from that point on, but it was just one of those things where, you know, he's a strong, powerful guy. So is Cesaro. And, you know, and if they aren't careful with what they do, they can like KO you in an instant, you know? And it was just like one of those scenarios. Obviously he felt terrible about it and he didn't mean for it to happen, but, but it did happen. And he, he kicked the fuck out of Jeff's teeth, uh, tooth and, uh, scored a field goal for sure. (laughs) That he did. And thankfully, Jeff lives to talk about it because uh, the reality is, Matt Hardy, as we know, and as you've said, Cesaro and Sheamus, they're both like physical specimens, are they not? They are, yes. They're they're extremely physically gifted, both both of them. And they're both incredibly athletic, especially uh, Cesaro, uh, Claudio, more than even Sheamus. Claudio is just like a freak of nature in, in many, many ways. He is, and I, and I believe truthfully – you know, a lot of people out there, they think there's some secret behind it. I don't think it's as complicated, Matt Hardy, because quite frankly, I think it boils down to the fact that Cesaro, Claudio, and Sheamus, they're drinking their AG1s every single morning, are they not? They do. They drink their AG1s nonstop. You know, I think they double dip with AG1s. <laughs> Maybe that's why they're, uh, you know, that's why they're extra special. If you want to be a Swiss Superman... Or if you want to wake up every morning with your hair jolted in place yelling fella, well, maybe AG1 is going to be the drink for you because it's an easy benefit that you can provide for your body every single day. I know that I've tried tons of tons and tons of different vitamins and minerals. I've tried the adult supplements. Remember when you're a kid? I don't know. You, you might have been a little a little late for this, but... They, they used to have those like kids vitamins, like the uh, Flintstones vitamins. I know those have been around for decades. Uh, I used to take those. They tasted like crap. I hated them. I would have loved something like AG1 every single morning in my life throughout my formative years, Matt Hardy. That's why I'm taking it now because it is an all-in-one nutritional supplement that is providing me foundational nutrition every single morning. How does your routine work with AG1? My routine is very, very simple. I get up very first thing. I uh, jump in the shower. I wake up real quick. I head down. I take my AG1. I tear the top off. I pour it into a bottle of water, and I drink my AG1. And that starts my day at the highest possible level. And then after that, I jump on cardio, and I start knocking out 30 minutes every single day. We're talking about 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food-sourced ingredients all in one. AG1 was created in 2010, and it has helped millions and millions of mornings begin on a healthier foundation ever since it was. And as we know, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's costing you less than $3 a day. And we want to hook you up here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get how many free AG1 travel packs, Matt Hardy? Five, Cinco, five, Cinco, five free travel packs. And the millions and millions that love AG1s will promise you, you start drinking your AG1s, you will join those millions and millions. 
I'm glad you got a rock reference in there. I was counting on you to do that. You're going to get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com forward slash hardy. That's drinkag1.com forward slash hardy. Make sure you check out our favorite partners here, AG1 over at the Extreme Life of Mad Hardy. What's up, everyone? Super excited to be making this announcement. On Tuesday, July the 18th, 2023, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast is officially going on tour. Sure, we've done stage shows at conventions in the past, but this is our first ever live show where it's all about the Extreme Life podcast. I'm going to be there. John Alba's going to be there, and I want you to be there. Where is there? There is one of my favorite restaurants in all of space and time, Kowloon. Kowloon is right outside of Boston, Mass, and we cannot wait for you to be there for a very special Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast night. We're going to do the podcast live at 8 p.m. We'll record it. You can monitor our process. You can see our secrets and everything about what we do to put together these beautiful podcasts. Or you can purchase a VIP ticket, which is going to be amazing because a VIP ticket allows you to come in at 6 p.m. You get priority seating. It guarantees you a photograph with me. It guarantees you an autograph from me. And we'll have a great conversation and we'll shoot the breeze. I can't wait. Get your tickets now at KowloonRestaurant.com. I'm so excited. Tuesday, July 18, 2023, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy Podcast is taking over Kowloon and Boston. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. After watching that ad, man, it just makes me more excited. I can't wait. We're almost we're less than two weeks out now. I am so pumped for this Boston event. I, I cannot wait for it. Me too, man. It is going to be such a blast. Make sure you head over to MattHardyLive.com and get your tickets for that. Uh, tons of people got their tickets, Matt Hardy, for Great Balls of Fire in 2017. It went down on July 9th, 2017 in Dallas, Texas. 16,559 fans as the announced attendance. When the locker room heard of this first ever pay-per-view, Great Balls of Fire, what was the reaction like? Because for all the wacky and weird pay-per-views that WWE has put on over the years, I don't think any of them come quite close to Great Balls of Fire. I think the general consensus among the talent was, huh? (laughs) Whenever they heard Great Balls of Fire was the name of the event. It is what it is got to be a vinceism right i mean it's got to be he's a big jerry lewis fan apparently <laughs> i just i i am mad uh, for, real, for real like not not joking I, I'm, I'm pretty sure like oh, really? that, that song he loves that song that was one of his favorite songs of course because he probably thinks about himself when he hears that song <laughs> I, i'm i'm sure 
He was working out, which he's normally pumping iron ACDC every morning in the WWE headquarters gym. And he's pumping iron. He's got shoot to thrill going. It, it wraps up. And then all of a sudden, great balls of fire comes on. He's like, great balls of fire. <laughs> now that's a pay-per-view. That's it. And that, that, that's, you're, you're probably right along the line of reality <laughs> and what happened. Let me ask you this, John. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. So if you had to name a pay-per-view after one of your favorite Bruce Springsteen songs, what would it be? Thunder Road. There you have it. Seems seems pretty pretty simple to me. That sounds like a good wrestling pay per view, right? That sounds, that sounds like a phenomenal wrestling yeah. pay per view. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah! Damn it, John! Damn it! You're a genius. <laughs> Maybe Badlands. Badlands would be a good one too. Uh, I could I could see that working out. I don't know. I mean, ACDC songs lend themselves way more to pay per view names. I know Vince is a huge ACDC mark like I am. So uh, that, there's one, maybe the only commonality Vince McMahon and I actually have. But uh, we get Great Balls of Fire here. It is a raw-branded pay-per-view. And uh, it's a fairly interesting card uh, that includes your two out of three tag team, two out of three, or sorry, Iron Man yes. tag team championship match. You guys did have a two out of three falls uh, match that went to a draw that would get us to this point. Uh, the pre-show match saw Neville defeat Akira Tozawa to retain the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, two very talented wrestlers, Neville in AWS Pack right now. What do you think of WWE's investment or lack thereof in the Cruiserweight division during this time period? Uh, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's eventism. Once again, I mean, he just. He, he thinks what draws is having a big, larger than life superstar that is trying, that is either your world champion or trying to be the world champion. That when they walk through an airport, that people recognize and go, Oh my God, this guy's a star. And in Vince's mind, like small people who don't stand out quite as much aren't as big of a deal. And I just, I think that's kind of the stigma from Vince is why the Cruiserweight Championship never got, you know, a ton of promotion in many ways. You're just like, Okay, sure, these guys can go out and they can have these great matches, but. Nobody sees them as like a, you know, a household name, a larger than life star. They're going to recognize in the airport. You know, that's once again, another one of Vince's big attractions were big, tall, muscular, jacked up dudes. You know, he loved that because they're going to stand out in an airport. And so I feel what about the division. What about the division? Why have the division? Because they were looking for stuff to fill the undercard of shows, you know, and they have guys that were smaller. So, well, we got to do something with these guys, I guess. You know, and it's, I'm sure that's what it is, but just it's just, it's just not Vince's forte. It's just not his thing. It goes tag team wrestling is falls in that same category as well. You know, he doesn't think tag team wrestling is going to be a huge draw, which is going to sell a ton of tickets and and really have people flock to the TV or to the arena to watch tag team wrestling. You know, but it is what it is. Vince's thing is like have a bigger, larger than life superstar that's going to get noticed when he walks through the airport. That is what he that is what he wants. It's always been what he, what he's wanted. Just seemed like with Raw being a three-hour show, having a dedicated segment to them with investment and equity would have gone a long way. But uh, who am I to say? I, I do remember it's it's funny because my my wife actually just found this clip. She said Domino's first appearance, uh, Dominic's first appearance. I said Domino, Dominic's first appearance on WWE programming. And it was the match where I wrestled Ray Mysterio mm -hmm. in Anaheim at the pond. And we'd had a good program that had started like in February or so. And then we worked at WrestleMania and I screwed him out of the, the championship to retain the title. And then we had uh, a return match in Anaheim, which wasn't too terribly far from 
San Diego and it was obviously in SoCal. And, you know, Dominic was sitting there ringside and I talked to him after the match. I remember that. But my wife was like, oh, this is Dominic? They got this wrestling now? This is Ray's son? Like, and all she can think about, obviously, is our kids, right? And so, yeah, it was like really his first notable appearance on WWE programming when I first met him. And I remember taking pictures with him, you know, when I had met him before that. I posted one to Instagram a while back and we actually DM back and forth a little bit, which was which was funny. But real, real happy for him and real proud of how great he's doing, too. But that 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 match with myself and Ray, I remember some of the people in the office, like Michael Hayes said, like, this is the most excited Vince has ever been for a cruiserweight championship match or whatever, because we actually did a good number and he loved the match. He loved the way we did it. He loved the story behind it. And Vince was also a fan of the, you know, Matt Hardy version one character too. Yeah. So he, 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 he dug that. Stuff. And he was also a huge Ray Mysterio fan. I mean, that, that's pretty obvious too. obvious too. Yeah. He, he, he realized that Ray was something very, very special that that match did a lot for the cruiserweight division at that time. Well, we will be doing a long-form episode on that match uh, at some point this year, so be on the lookout for that. That should be a real good one. Uh, Bray Wyatt pinned Seth Rollins to open up the main card for this pay-per-view. In the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer noted that Bray had noticeably gained a lot of weight as of late at this time coming out of WrestleMania. And as we recall, he lost the championship, the WWE championship, to Randy Orton in a less than stellarly received match at WrestleMania. Where do you remember Bray being at this time and trying to find his place in the company? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I remember I was happy to see Bray again. I knew him from his first run at the NXT days. I'd, I'd met him a little bit then, and we'd always got along well. Uh, but I, I do know he danced with Seth Rollins quite a bit over the years. It's crazy when when you look at all all the matches they've had. It's been kind of newsworthy. I uh, I, I I was a fan of the Bray Wyatt character, obviously, but it just seemed like he was somewhat in limbo. Obviously, at this time, he's just kind of floating around. Didn't have a real direction. Didn't have a real path to like you know something to build a solid story and like really solidify whatever your persona was. Here's one I'd love your opinion on. Big Cass defeated Enzo Amore in five minutes and 20 seconds on this card. This was just after the two of them had broken up at just after WrestleMania. There is no denying that Enzo and Cass were one of the most popular acts on WWE television. And I know at house shows, they were getting mega, mega reactions. The SAWFT stuff was super over. And I always felt, Matt, they complimented each other very very well they had only been on the main roster for about a year at this point and they were already broken up as we know it didn't work out for either of them there in wwe what did you make of the decision to break up enzo and Cass so early in the game here i i, I thought they were great as a team too and i i, I agree with you I, th I felt they complimented each other really really well but knowing vince he's gonna look at Cass. And he's going to look at Big Bill and he's going to say, this guy's huge. He's a monster. Like, he's going to stand out in an airport. He can be a household name. Like, we can do something with him. And, and that match has to happen at some point. You know, if you have a tag team that splits up, you got to have that match before you move forward with those guys. So it was just their time to have that match. And it, it, it was going to be really interesting to see which paths they ended up going on. But as you said, it didn't really work out very good for either one of those guys. Isn't it crazy that you have two 
polar reactions to tag team wrestling back to back here where we're getting a half hour Iron Man match between you guys and the bar. And then you're seeing Vince lose his patience quickly with the tag team and splitting them up and having a blow off match with very little build the match directly before yours. Vince really struggled with consistency in the tag team division booking. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you could definitely say that. Once again, uh, tag team wrestling is not his favorite thing, you know. And, and once again, if he sees a tag team, the guys are such different shapes and such different size. And once again, Kaz is a very good athlete. He's very mm-hmm. solid in the ring as well. I mean, Vince sees something there that he thinks he can mold into a big superstar, and that's what he's always looking to do. I always felt like Enzo and Cass would have been gigantic stars in the Attitude Era. Do you feel that act would have translated well over to that time period? Yeah, that, that uh, most guys would have been, especially people who had like a lot of personality and a lot of charisma. You know, with their act and that whole Mike spiel, they they would have been over here, Jess. I would argue that your wife might think at times that you're a little SAWFT. Soul. <laughs> Just a thought. I've, I've heard her. I've heard her reactions to some things on certain occasions, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, Sasha Banks defeated Alexa Bliss via countout, and Bliss retained her women's championship. We've heard you talk a little bit about Mercedes Monet over the past year and a half on this podcast, but Alexa Bliss isn't someone that I've ever picked your brain on this is kind of that time period where alexa bliss was really starting to come into her own as a performer in wwe on the main roster Uh, do you have any thoughts on her progression into the type of talent that she would ultimately become i i always thought she was talented Uh, i thought she was very solid athletically in the ring um she is a good fit for a women's division and and i also i was a big fan of the work she did with bray too uh, I, I love that she had that sort of that sort of depth when it came to playing different characters. So yeah, I, I, I dig her. I thought she was a I thought she was a, a big a big positive for the women's division at that time. This was the match. The clip went viral from I don't know if you remember. <laughs> Alexa Bliss in real life is double jointed. So she was able to like pop her elbow out and right. everyone thought it was this gnarly injury that she suffered, but it, she was actually very much in control of this situation. If you've never seen that clip, go back and check it out. Uh, The Miz pinned Dean Ambrose to retain the IC title in 11 minutes and 13 seconds. But the question is, did, I can't even say Dean Ambrose now, did Moxley bleed? Did he bleed? (laughs) Uh, Yes, actually he did bleed. (laughs) His mouth was busted open. And Dave Meltzer notes, Ambrose's mouth was busted open during the match, making three straight matches with hard way blood. Uh, is it overkill, Matt? Because that's a big, big discussion point in wrestling right now. It was a huge point of discourse on Twitter this past week that John Moxley has damaged his reputation in equity because of how much he bleeds. Is, is that Matt fact or Matt fiction? Uh, I, I do think there's a thing. Th- there's an issue for saying there's too much bleeding on a show. I, I think, I think, Bleeding and blood is best when it's used in the correct spaces and not every single week. It doesn't need to be done too often because that'll kind of kill it. That hurts its effect as well. When blood happens in certain scenarios, it means so much more. But is that an indictment on him or is that more on just the general storytelling of what is allowed? 
in a promotion. That, 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 that's my just that's my general opinion okay. of blood in pro wrestling generally. And apparently with John, he's doing this thing as far as making it a, a real fight. It's a fight club with the you know B, B, uh, BCC. So that that's his thing. He's in there. There's violence, and he bleeds a lot, and that's that's his preference, and that's what he wants to do. I guess for me, I I wouldn't want to do that every mm-hmm. single week because I, I think once again that kind of minimizes the uh, value of of bleeding. I just want to put it fully out there in context for all the FIs who will listen to that and everything Matt just said. Matt is not calling out John Moxley for bleeding too much. No headlines on that, please. Uh, this is Matt simply stating his personal preference is that blood can be a little too much at times and not safe for right opportunities. Do I have that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I just think, uh, you know, I, I think blood is one of the, the few things in pro wrestling that shouldn't be overdone. I feel mm-hmm. like it it means so much more when it is done in specific scenarios and it's a little bit of a, a sparse special thing sure that, that's Plus. it you know if someone wants to go out there and they want to gig every single week go nuts if someone wants to go out there and have a death match every single week go nuts if someone wants to go out there and have a classic chain wrestling match every week go nuts i don't care what what you do that that's that's your mm-hmm. that's your stance that's your choice and if there's people that enjoy that, then great. It is what it is. But I'm just talking about my personal preferences on all these issues. Plus, I know you're a big John Moxley fan, as is huge. You, you've I been... think John John busts his ass. I, th- I think John is the heart and soul of AEW at this point, Sue. There you go. I think he's been a consistent when it was needed in AEW. He was the first guy that really like jumped per se from WWE to AEW, and he was he had already been a big star at WWE. And just he he's really been like a flag bearer for AEW in so many ways. I'm a huge John Moxley fan. Braun Strowman defeated Roman Reigns in an ambulance match. Uh, this was one of Braun Strowman's first big time main event opportunities. And say what you want about him, Matt. But I always felt like Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns had really good working chemistry together. Uh, this is the whole thing where. Yeah, they they have the ambulance thrown in reverse, and they Roman Reigns drives it as fast as he can to try to kill the monster, hitting a semi trailer in the process, making it like Braun Strowman's dead. Uh, one of those extreme over the top Vince McMahon things you'd see in the Attitude Era. But uh, I think there's no denying that Braun and Roman really gelled together. What were your thoughts on the two of them and where Braun Strowman was at this time? All right, I just know you said that was larger than life, but like I, I just I'm gonna say for the record, I'm okay with that. It's pro wrestling, there's an entertainment aspect. I have a lake where you throw guys in, and they come it's out true. as a totally different character, you know. I've so I'm okay that. with stuff like that. Um I I remember this time when they were working and people were very into it. They were super into it. And I remember thinking that they had a good opportunity right here, which I had thought for the longest time ever, uh, if you turn Roman Reigns Hill. It's going to be great for him. And eventually it's going to make his equity grow so much. He's going to end up being an ultimate baby. Haze. I remember thinking in this scenario, it would have been a good time to do a double turn, to turn Roman heel and turn yeah. Braun into a baby face. And th- Braun, that's what I would have loved to have done. From a big Braun book. was one of the rare giants in wrestling in the modern era who was really getting over as a big guy. Yeah. Right. There were so many that were shoved down people's throats for years 
that never organically got over. But I feel like at this time, Braun was really, really over as a killer. And they, uh, they, they they would work on the road and they, they got huge reactions there too. I, I thought this was a, a great opportunity. There was a missed opportunity in some ways. I could have definitely seen a double turn coming out of that match. I agree with you. I saw a house show during this time with the two of them working together in a street fight. And I thought they crushed it. They had really good chemistry together. Uh, Heath Slater pinned Kurt Hawkins, two-minute match. Uh, my only question for you off this one, who's got more kids, you or Heath Slater? I think I do. Okay. Just just making sure. Because I've heard he yeah, had, he's got kids. Sure. He's got he's kids, got, I know. He's got kids. I don't uh, know if he's got a gaggle. I got a gaggle. That's true. Great talent, Heath Slater. Big Heath Slater fan over here alongside Brian Myers, Kurt Hawkins. Uh, and main event. All right, I'd love your opinion on this before we watch our match here, Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Iron Man match between you guys in the bar. Brock Lesnar defeated Samoa Joe in six minutes and 25 seconds. Controversial main event at the time. All it took was one F5 from Brock on Samoa Joe. They were really trying to build the F5 up as a killer finisher uh, at this moment in time. When this feud went down, people were hot for it. They were really ready to see Samoa Joe get an opportunity like this and it made sense seemingly on paper that joe and brock would have a killer match in a killer feud in my opinion this feud was genuinely fantastic one of the most intriguing wwe main event feuds with brock lesnar ever and the match goes down in six and a half minutes and brock pretty much just steamrolls past joe very divisive amongst fans I'd love to hear your thoughts on what went down with Samoa Joe and WWE, and in particular, his program with Brock Lesnar here. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Samoa Joe fan, both of the uh, the persona and the person. But I, I, I think that's just, I think that's Brock's wheelhouse. I, I think Brock is best utilized when it's like a UFC or MMA fight, and he goes in there in a short, and you just get to the point. You do a bunch of bombs. And then you, you finish the match. And I think that's what works for him. And and I I believe that so much, even because the thing Brock did with Goldberg, when Goldberg beat him real quick, I mean, it was in, you know, a minute and a half or whatever it was, two minutes. I mean, I think Brock's down with that. I thought Vince saw that mentality. It's just like, you know, if you see Brock on the card, it's going to be, there's going to be bombs in this match. And there's going to be some crazy stuff physically that they're going to do. But it's probably not going to go long because Brock's matches never go long. So, so I'm okay with this. I'm all right with it. Did Joe ever reach his full potential in WWE? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I feel like there were a couple times when he was maybe on track to, but injuries sidelined him. Uh, so, so, so maybe not. I don't know if he was optimized in WWE. And Josh asks us, do you feel that Joe's injuries kept him from getting the main title on the run as the guy he got featured in several high-profile matches and always seemed over with the crowd? I mean, may, maybe so. That there's a possibility. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how Vince viewed Joe. I mean, obviously he put him in these big matches, so he got opportunities. So he had that much faith in him, without a doubt. As far as like being the guy, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if that Joe would have been given that. Opportunity. I, I said this when we did our Matt Rushmore episode available in our archives, extremehard.com. I think Samoa Joe is one of the most underrated talents ever in wrestling, and especially as a talker, I think he's the type of guy that can talk you into a building. Right. And. The segment I'll never forget from this feud, it's him and Paul Heyman in the ring, and he pulls Paul close, and he's just like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to choke you out. 
and it's going to be a message to your boy Brock and tell him he better show up at Great Balls of Fire. And Paul's cowering, and then Joe just takes him, coquina clutch, and passes him out. I thought it was gripping television, and it was a little disappointing to see how this match unfolded. But uh, as I said, Matt Hardy, he was the type of guy that could talk you into a building. And if you're trying to get into the building at the last minute, well, we want to help you out here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy with our friends over at Game Time. Matt, I had three people in the past week send me a screenshot using the promo code Hardy and getting $20 off their first purchase of tickets with Game Time. How great is that? That's great. I, I love to hear it, man. I'm here for game time. I mean, it is really the best way. If you want to go to any event last minute, the way to go is game time. They have never let me down yet. Fast, easy, last minute, ahead of time, whatever you want. Sports, music, comedy, theater, wrestling, game time has got you covered with killer deals on last minute tickets and the best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over tickets Start getting hyped. That's what your old boy Mojo Raleigh would say. Get hyped for the fun that you're going to have at whatever event you choose to go to. I'm not a planner, Matt. I know you're not much of a planner either. It's okay. We can admit that. Game time has got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. In some cases, up to the minute. Like I experienced when I bought last-minute Springsteen tickets in Philadelphia literally 20 minutes before the event. It was the easiest ticket buying experience I've ever had, Matt, because I was able to find the section that I wanted, and then I got an image of the seat, what my view was going to look like with the lowest price guaranteed because I saw the all-in pricing. No hidden fees, no hidden taxes. Everything is right there in front of you, and we love transparency here, do we not? Oh, my God. We're all about the transparency here. Don't get screwed by your ticket dealer. Utilize the all-in pricing from Game Time, and make sure that you walk away with the best price. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. In fact, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you for one hundred ten percent of the difference. One hundred ten percent. So go ahead. Here's what you gotta do: download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Hardy for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Hardy for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute ticket deals, lowest price, absolutely guaranteed. Hey guys, Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On a new edition of The Insiders, Conrad sits down with former Turner Finance executive Dirty Dick Cheatham, talking about the internal war between WCW and Turner and the Monday Night War with the WWF. And my assistant said, hey, you're not going to believe who's down there. I said, who, who? She said, China's down there. And I said, what are you talking about? Yeah. And, uh, and I went over to her window and looked at the night. The whole, all of the eggs is down there. Get the camera. <laughs> so, so we went down there, and of course, there were big accidents that was down there in the fight with security. On a bonus episode of My World, Double J watches back his tag team championship match against FTR and breaks down the hilarious Briscoe farm skit that preceded it. And they say, Can y'all be in the background talking? And the four of us are down there, really, just all four of us. But Lethal and Sanjay, I said, We got to start being silly. I just started strumming the guitar. 
and Sachi started bouncing that baby, and Sachi started doing the dose do. I think this is, I don't know, it's the funniest, but I still think it's, it's a, hilarious. It's a complete ad lib, but it played to, you know, the line he said, them clowns, and we're down there dancing. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. Okay, Matt, the match we have yet to talk about is your match with the bar, a 30 minute Iron Man match. I'm going to get everyone a second to cue up the cock. 48 26. Great balls of fire is going to be where you want to find this match. It's going to be right after the bell rings. Uh, this is going to be a match you haven't watched since it happened, correct? I don't think you've ever watched it back ever. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I feel like uh, <clears throat> maybe the night of or the next day I watched it back, but then that's the last okay. time I watched it. All right. I, I have no recollection of what goes down and in, in what order, who pins who, whatever. I, I don't. I don't know. So I'm going to be w- watching this with fresh green eyes. Okay. Well, we are going to watch it and break it down as it happens and tell some stories from you guys working with the bar as we tune our attention to Great Balls of Fire 2017. 4826 is your time code. If you can watch with us, if not, just enjoy the ride. Here's some stories that Matt tells. Here we go in five, four, three. Two, one, begin. Okay. Tag Team Iron Man match. First time uh, on the main stage that something like this is happening, Matt. What was your reaction when you found out you guys were going to do that? Uh, I was excited. I was excited to do it because it was something different. And we we had a, a really solid program with these guys, too. I remember we they were very... Vince was very adamant on that being the start of the match, and I wasn't a fan of it. But so, he wanted to put us in the hole right from the beginning. Vince was adamant on that that happening in the at the very beginning. For those, for those who didn't see it, Sheamus just <laughs> rope kicked Matt out of his shoes. One, two, three, and the bar is up one nothing just seconds into the match. Well, just keep a- in mind, Cesaro comes at me, and I'm distracted by him, and we really haven't established a legal guy yet. And then I turn around and see what he's doing, and then I eat a, a, a broke kick. Is it the worst thing in the world to put the baby faces – in a deficit right away? I mean, no, not necessarily. But but once again, too, I also know how people think. It's just like you don't want to get beat within seconds of the match just starting. So I, I feel like sometimes characters need to be utilized a little stronger. I think you can put the ba- you can put the baby face behind the eight ball, but you don't have to necessarily do it like that. But once again, Vince was adamant on that. We heard it over and over. Like, I think I even like threw something else in there to get it like, you know, 90 seconds in or whatever. And he said, no, I want it right from the jump. He was adamant about it. Why do you think he was so adamant? Uh, Because it was his idea and it was going to happen because it's his show and his world. But reasoning wise, I mean, he couldn't provide you with anything. It was just, he wanted you from behind from the start. Uh, He wanted us behind from the the start. And he said, you know, this guy, you know, he said that his tag team partner rushes you. You're distracted. You don't see it coming. They got hit you with with your finish when, with, with this finish, when you don't see it coming. And that's that's why I want to do it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I I do what I'm told at work. Well, Josh Field says he loves a quick pin spot at the start. So hey, well, there you for some people, uh, did Vince typically give input on stuff like that 
in laying out matches like we know creative obviously he's the one leading the charge but when it came to the actual input on the matches themselves was that something you frequently found him doing uh yeah i mean there were there were definitely times where vince would have a particular spot or some sort of scenario or sequence that he would be adamant about having in a match because he just viewed it that way and he thought it was going to get a certain reaction and, and put a certain sympathy on someone or a, a certain heat on someone and and he would demand it be done. Seamus, you know, canvas here. Kind of rare, not something that happens all the time. It's not something that happens every match at all. But there are times where Vince will will have something and he will he will definitely make sure he wants it to happen. Yeah, I mean, look, it's his product at the end of the day. He's the booker, so uh, I suppose it makes sense. I, I'm curious, psychology-wise from you, you take his finisher here, the brogue kick, which has put people away time after time. I mean, you ate it just in the same way that Daniel Bryan ate it at WrestleMania. <laughs> For you then to be kicking the cobwebs off and able to work fine, I mean, you're not selling the brogue kick at all at this juncture. Does that in any way, in your opinion, inhibit the productivity and the equity of the move? Or is there a different story you're trying to tell here? Uh, yeah, in some ways, I, I think it can. But also, too, I just think where we're at in pro wrestling, we're, we're almost past that. I just I feel like so much stuff in pro wrestling has been prostituted. It just it doesn't mean what it used to. I mean, like, for instance, Shawn Michaels, he would hit one super kick and that was always it. And now in different matches in WWE, in AEW, you'll see several super kicks and it's not the end of the match. You know, so stuff is, has been kind of watered down, but that also kind of comes with the the current generation that is watching wrestling and almost like what they want to see, sure. which is is a, a much higher work rate type of quality type quality match. You know, so that 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 makes it more challenging too. So a lot, so stuff is going to be prostituted more just for just for certain reactions, and that's just kind of just kind of the state of pro wrestling currently. I think Cesaro is doing a great job in this match as. Uh chicken shit heel but someone who can also back it up with his physical prowess uh, did you like the bar as baby faces more or as heels i think they were better as heels uh they they, they were they were fine as baby faces but I, I thought their their strength was them as heels i think that fits both their characters better too hmm. uh, i i didn't get to work with uh claudio until i was at WWE. this was my first experience and he was really a pleasure to work with especially like on live events because he he would also, you know, he, he's a physical guy, but he would also like work a live event, like a live event should be worked too. And he, he also, I did broken Matt, woken Matt with him a little bit too, uh, myself and Brave or him and Seamus. And he, he got the, the entertainment aspect. So he, he was a pleasure to work with. Always has been. That's the funny thing you were saying earlier in the show, how, you know, Vince didn't see the entertaining stuff with yep. him, but I think he's an incredibly entertaining guy. And no, I mean, I, I, I do too. I, I think his entertainment is, is definitely overlooked. His entertainment value, entertainment uh, delivery is uh, overlooked. And I think it's very underrated. Like you just saw him do the, the bar pose as he was mocking you and cutting Jeff off there as he gut wrenched. Jeff, where does he rank in terms of strongest people you've been in the ring with? I mean, there, it, it, it's hard to put anybody above Brock Lesnar, because Brock Lesnar is just such a freak. He's just such an anomaly, you know, just as strong, stronger, faster, more explosive than everybody else. You know, there, there's no category that he 
doesn't excel in. But Cesaro, Claudio, he is up there too. I mean, he, he really is. He's a freak athlete who is, is quick, very agile, and just outrageously strong. I remember when he hit the great Kali with a gotch pile driver, the neutralizer, and my jaw legitimately dropped. That right. just that he was able to handle that much of a mass of a human being and execute efficiently. Josh says, I should have said, I love getting the baby face. A quick pin allows the heel up to up the intensity and aggression to get their heat back. All right, there we go. Nope. I, uh, I feel you on that one, Josh. I do agree. I concur. So now we're seeing Jeff take the heat here. You know, when you're in a 30-minute match and we know there's going to get a bunch of different falls, my take on it is that you almost have to have several different matches all in one. What was your guys' approach to laying out the story in that sense? I think our approach to the story, and, and this was kind of Vince's vision. He warned us behind the eight ball right from the jump, as we talked about earlier. And then, like, we get a little further around the eight ball. And then, like, we start coming back and, like, we overcome the odds. And at the very end, you think, oh, my God, they, they're, they're going to win it. They're going to do it. They're going to pull it out. But then have the hills sweep the carpet out from underneath you at the last possible second. I think that's kind of our mentality behind this match. Something that a lot of people probably don't even think about, Matt, is you guys have a timer there on the Titantron where you can see how much time is left in the match. That's not something you generally have the luxury of as a performer seeing, hey, you know, how many minutes are we allotted? Did, did we go over the time? Right. Does that affect anything at all? Is that... A, a benefit for you guys? I'm curious, genuinely. It's, it's hugely beneficial, especially if you kind of have a map. Like, I feel like I'm pretty good at having roadmaps of matches in my head. If you have a map and you kind of have, have the designated times that you need to be at certain particular spots in the match, uh, you know, the, a certain sequence needs to go down before this time. Just being able to have the time there is, is greatly beneficial to keep you on track. Do you have like an internal clock? in general when you're working matches? I do. I, I feel like I, I do have a pretty pretty strong internal clock. And some of the funny stories I've told with Eddie Guerrero, he is someone who did not have an internal clock. <laughs> he, was just, he was out there living in the moment. <laughs> would, uh, would that fall on the referees at that point? Uh, I, I guess. But, you know, Eddie was one of those guys, if they would tell him, like, it's time to, to move on, he's like, fuck that. No, we got to go. You hear, you hear the people? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. We're not done. We're not done. <laughs> I mean, he 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 definitely he he rolled he rolled with his gut feeling. Who's someone that you've been in the ring with? And it's okay. You can throw him under the bus here. No one's gonna get mad. Who's someone that was notoriously rough with time, other than Eddie? Oh boy, um, all good nature. All good nature. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, it, Eddie Eddie was one of the. <clears throat> he was one of the one of the ones that I can really think about in a match. I, I was just going to say, currently, I mean, and he doesn't always, like, go over his time, but MJF fills up tons of time. Yeah. And he's out there talking. I mean, sometimes, you know, he, he's going to get his stuff in, and he's kind of in that position to be able to do it as the champion. Yeah. You know, so it, so it is what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah and, 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 and it's very different. It's not like he's listening to the crowd, and he feels like the crowd is demanding – you know, you go a certain direction in the match you're having in the physical fight you're having in the ring. It's just, he's out there and he's going to, he's going to get his content in. Yeah. Well, and look, he's earned 
that equity as world champion and the level of engagement he gets from crowds. Right. That's, uh, that's there. Uh, so we saw an interesting little combo finish there. White noise with a crossbody from Cesaro off the top. So now it's two, nothing. It's three, three, nothing. Three, nothing. Did they, did they not get two pinfalls on Jeff? No, I think just so far it's just two. Yeah. yeah. He got with the one. Yeah. So I don't just, have my volume, so I, I, I thought it was. Yeah, no. So it it's two. It's two nothing right now. Do they have the score up over here? Do we? Ever? They do have the score up. I know you're watching on a little bit of a different feed because yeah. Matt is in Canada. Ah, uh, there. Okay, yeah, I do see it. Is so Jeff kicked out of that one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so it's two nothing, and now the Hardys are are really trying to climb out of a deficit. And we just saw a little bit of a cutoff there to allow Jeff to have a little bit of hope. Uh, but we've seen two pinfalls here in just over ten minutes, Matt. I think my least favorite part about Iron Man matches in a lot of cases are how many falls there are because that almost undoes the merit of a normal match that would go 20 minutes. You're not going to get multiple finishes in that duration. You, you got to let it go. You got to let it go, John. You got to let it go. You're trying to, you're trying to make too much sense of pro wrestling. Now it's just, it's just in context. It's just a different match. Yeah. And, and, and the map, if you, try and build this match like a regular singles match. It's just, you're not going to get the same effect. You have to do things differently. And it just, it is what it is. It does like in the big scheme of things, it makes things look very, very different when you compare it to like a regular match is just one fall. But I feel like if you have a 30 minute or a 60 minute time limit match, you just have to do things differently, which might compromise, you know, if the match, if you compare it to a regular one fall singles match. Sure. One hell of a hot tag there for you, Matt. Here we go. Crowd coming unglued for you. Going to work on Claudio there. Do you like receiving the hot tag more, or do you like doing the selling and building to the hot tag? I, I mean, I, I'm fine with either one. Uh, some sometimes we felt like our, you know. For, for us as a team, sometimes it worked better with Jeff just selling because he is so good at, at selling. Yeah. And he's so good at getting sympathy with the way he sells. So, I mean, we, we can do it either way, and I'm cool with making the comeback. I'm cool with Jeff making the comeback. But Jeff has a real gift when it comes to selling. So a, a lot of the times it would work better if he takes the heat. And it's so funny, just like recently we worked on these house shows, and I was trying to take the heat because he hadn't had a match in a while. And he said, no, 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 I, I want to take the heat because I want to get, like, I, I want to get – you know, those, uh, those laps in, you know, in the match. I want to, I want to work, get some reps in. So Hardy's pick up a pinfall here. I mean, he played the greatest hits and it worked out perfectly. The crowd was super into it. Poetry emotion, side effect, twist of fate, one, two, three. That's vintage Hardy boys right there, Matt. You know, one thing I do love out of these and one thing maybe we could have done differently. I would have loved to like maybe do that poetry emotion into the side effect and got a pinfall cover out of it. Because I, I love that you have the opportunity to take, like, mm-hmm. you know, not your signature move, you know, but another signature move that you don't necessarily use as a finish and use it as a finish in the smash mm-hmm. to give it more credibility. Yeah. I really I really wish we would have done that finish in, as just poetry in motion into the side effect one, two, three. Yeah. Because then in the future, you can go back to that. And when there's a near fall with a side effect, Correct. there might be a little more believability that that could put someone away. This is a fun match so far, Matt. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's been very solid, I think. Very solid so far. 
Do you like the challenge of having to do something different here? Like this Iron Man match? I'd imagine this is probably one of the first, if not the first Iron Man matches you've been a part of. Yes, I do. I, I do enjoy doing things different. And especially like, because I look back and we had a few, like I think you said we had a two out of three falls match with these guys. We had a cage mm -hmm. match with these guys. I know uh, we had this Iron Man match. So I, I love having those different variations of matches. And especially the way we went into this was almost like we had a level of respect for one another and they, we had a, a match where we defended the titles and we defeated them and then they held up our hands. And then before you know it, they turn on us. And then, you know, we have like a legit issue where they're the bad guys and, and we want to get, we want to avenge them betraying us like they did. And then we have like something to work with, which we had some good quality matches out of this program. I thought. So now you guys are on the offensive here. The tides have turned, if you will. They have, and we're almost at the halfway point. I can see there we're at 1520. Moving on up. Mm. That's a that's one of those things I asked Jeff to like cut out too. He would like ring his bell and run all the time. <laughs> just like, dude, you don't have to do that. Like, only do that if it's a big match. He would do that on house shows and stuff because he's like, Oh, it's just a cool moon, and always gets a great reaction. It's like, ah, so I'll say you're compromising yourself a little bit on that. Be careful. Yeah, I mean, you're at the the very interesting crossroads of your career where, and I find this really fascinating to think about, in hindsight, you spent so much time with the Broken Matt character trying to get Jeff to slow down, do things a little differently, not take as many high risks. And here we are in a match like this where he's just doing a tope over the top, springboarding off of you, and we're seeing vintage Hardy Boys stuff. Poetry and mayhem. Exactly. Poetry and mayhem. I mean, and it, and it, it looked great. It's uh, it, it's so funny that uh, Jeff, it's it's pretty challenging to go sideways and do the actual poetry in motion where you turn your body sideways. And Jeff has started now, like he'll do a splash off, just to make sure there's no, very little chance of, of messing that up. He feels very confident doing that, which, and I get that. And once again, that's that's learning how to work as you get older. Leave that, leave that, leave that to Isaiah. He did it on the rampage that we did. That was ranked, uh, that, that uh, finished with uh, four hundred fifty thousand viewers. You know, almost the same collision. You know, and Isaiah might might have been because he did that poetry, poetry mayhem. I think your feet is a little behind, Matt. So I'm going to help you catch up here. Oh, we are boy. approaching the thirteen minute mark on Peacock feed. Thirteen oh three, thirteen oh two, thirteen oh one. Thirteen minutes now. For any of you just tuning in as well. Maybe I will fast forward a little bit. Here. Let's get you on so that way we can get the finish together here. Right now we're in picture and picture on replay seeing Cesaro take you out. Where, where are you at right now? I will tell you momentarily once they throw the clock back up. We are at 1242, 1241, 1240. Uh, if you're watching on Peacock, Sheamus is in the ring right now. Matt's trying to get back into the ring. 1233, 1232, 1231. I'm at 1221. Tell me if you see that. Okay. Hold on one second. If you, there we go. We just got a big knee from Seamus. So let's see. I am at now. I can tell you in a second. The thing keeps disappearing. This is the beauty of doing Peacock. I'm at 12, 11, 12, 10. Yep. I'm, 12, we're, we're the same. I just got super. Fantastic. You just got suplex. We're back on track here, guys. We are back. And uh, look, it's, I mean, right here. Cesaro's great. Yeah. He's yeah, great yeah. Here. I agreed. Agreed. We just got a quick fall on Matt. 
because Matt was counted out after he got thrown against the ring post. So I feel like when you have so many falls like this, we're going to see seven falls in this match. Ultimately, Matt, you got to get a little creative with how you do some of them. We saw it in the opening fall, but you do it again here. I, I, I love utilizing countouts and DQs in these matches. I'm, I'm down with that. I, I, I like that, especially if it's done where the team seems like they're doing something that is beneficial, that is going to help them win the match in whatever capacity it is. And now it's cool because before we saw Jeff doing the selling, you taking the hot tag. Now we're setting up for the reverse of that because we have the yeah. time to do that. Mm-hmm. Again, two for the price of one, pal. That is, I, I, I do love having time. Like, you know, when you have time, you can just go out there and you can like work and like tell a story with like simplistic, you know, moves and holds. That, that stuff's important to let the uh, let the crowd catch their breath and whatnot. So I, I did. I remember enjoying this match because I was like, this is so cool that we have an ha- a half an hour to, to do everything we need to do. But I remember as we were out there, it seemed like the time was flying. The time went by a lot faster than we thought it would. And what I love about it, too, having seen every single big Hardy Boys match that has ever existed is that normally when the Hardys are given time, it's this extreme rules type gimmick match, right? Right. Here, you guys are allowed to have a 30 minute wrestling match. And yeah, it's an Ironman match where maybe it's a little gimmicky, but for all intents and purposes, this is a straightforward pro wrestling match that you guys are given a half hour to kind of, paint a picture and control mm-hmm. your canvas. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I do as well. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed this match greatly. I remember him throwing me into the barricade and I had no idea the uppercut was coming because I was going down <laughs> selling. That was just something obviously on the fly, but he adjusted. He was just feeling it. He adjusted. He modified. Yeah. How does a Claudio uppercut feel? Uh, usually pretty solid, pretty solid, solid but safe. Yeah, they look they look brutal, especially when he does that uh, launching uppercut, the Euro, the Euro coming off the pop-up. I was I just going to say, make, make sure to raise your chin. <laughs> yeah. If you want to keep your uh, teeth in your mouth, make sure to raise your chin. Feels like a good way to pop a couple teeth out. Without a doubt, that could definitely happen. Then you remember, I don't know if you distinctly remember but claudio also himself had his teeth poked through his gum yes. in a match what 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 match was that i do remember I think that, that was with i think that was with dean ambrose i re- i remember that happening i was there that was gnarly yeah then he had to wrestle with the mouthpiece in i think he still wrestles with the mouthpiece in yeah well kurt angle type mentality yes. there mm-hmm. add a little realism to it mm-hmm. i like that desperation cover from you there out of the side effect you kind of just laid on him because you're still technically yeah. in the heat here just doing anything i can to, to try to cover the guy sunset mm. look at that oh, oh man nice. dude the intensity. All, all very nice yeah oh that was great the intensity and speed that cesaro did that with was awesome yeah, that, that really was impressive. And that, that was perfect. Jeff coming and making the save like that. Eight minutes left in this match. Yes. Cesaro and Sheamus lead three to one. 
feel like now, Matt, might be the time where you guys start to turn up the desperation a little bit. Yeah, I, I think we have to, especially being being uh, behind the eight ball here. Two falls. I also think it works well in your guys' favor that you're the challengers for the titles here and not the champions. Because mm-hmm. you're in pursuit. Correct. More euros. Right here. Speaking of that, make sure you uh, raise your chin. Those are those are they. You try no sell those. It's not going to work out for you. <laughs> Hard Irish whip. Mm, that was a really nice, really nice uh, reversal there. Backslide. Oh, Jeff, oh, yeah. innovative man. What a cool fall that was for you guys. Oh, I yeah. love that. Who might come up with something like that? Uh, that 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 was Jeff's idea. I'm pretty sure he said like Matt do a backslide and I do the compactor. That's what he calls that. I'm that glad. Uh, I, I'm glad we just watched that. We might have to break that out again. Ooh, that was really unique. Actually, that'd be a, a hell of a finish. I like it. You heard it here first on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, folks. First, Jeff's got to get healthy, though. Yeah, first he's got to he's got to got to get that jaw back in the proper position, and he'll be smashing legs in no time. <laughs> here we go. Now, I kind of like that the bars working with desperation here, having their lead cut too. I think that's really effective. Right. One, two. Ooh, dude, you've got the crowd biting. Look at them. And I feel like everybody here is working with a with a strong sense of urgency. Like we we got to get this done. And Seamus and uh, Claudio are saying, like, no, we can't let them. We can't let them tie. We can't let them tie. And, and that's exactly it. They were up three one, so they were a little more lackadaisical. But now that their lead's been cut short, it, it really underscores that they have to protect that lead. Mm-hmm. Oh, watch the kick. Ooh. Knee straight to the chin. Jeff is just selling <laughs> uh, there on the ground with you right next to him. Swinging DDT. Looks great. You're working well here, man. You you must have been feeling real good coming off the broken mat run into WWE. Yeah, no, I, I, well, too, it's, it's one of those things you're, you're like on the road so much and you're working. It's, it's helps staying in shape. It's kind of hard because you beat up your body so much, but you, you wrestle so much. You just, you kind of stay in wrestling shape all the time. Sometimes it is harder when you only wrestle sporadically. Mm. The twist of fate posted. That was actually executed really nice. The follow-through, I like a whole lot. 420. Light them if you got them. <laughs> you know, RVD's got a podcast now hosted by our pal Dominic D'Angelo. I do, yeah. I've seen that. I have seen that. Good old Dom. Dom's, Dom's great, man. It's a workhorse. Moon Look at stars. this. Look at this. He's still got it, folks. <laughs> He's still got it. What a moonsault. 
that's one thing that that is also great about Iron Man match. You can like do all your shit. You can do everything. There's room for it. And it wasn't something we saw you doing a, a whole lot of at that time. So it was cool to see you break it out. Yeah, it's a rarity. I just break that out every so often, once in a while. It looked great, too. Landed nice and flush. Well, thank you. Who's got the best moonsault that you've ever seen? I mean, it's hard for me not to say Great Moda. I mean, everybody was a fan of the Great Moda's moonsaults. Sure. Uh, I would give him probably the mm -hmm. GME. I think someone else calls it that, too. On top of the BME, the best moonsault ever. Mm -hmm. I call Muda's the greatest moonsault ever. I think Muda, Kurt. Look at this. Ooh. Twist of Fate. Oh. Avalanche Twist of Fate. That's got to be. That's, That's gotta, gotta be. Yep, and we're tied up with two minutes and fifty-three seconds left. I think Muda, Kurt, and honestly, you know who does a fantastic one too? I think Charlotte Flair does a fantastic moonsault. Mm -hmm. And all those people were great athletes. Tracks. All right, two thirty here, Matt. Ooh. Got to wait for the referee to give the go. Oh, something, this file, my thing went back. Where are you at now? We're at 220. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, your, your, your file, because again, Matt is watching uh, in the Great White North here. 212, right. 211, 210. Right. Keep counting. 209, 208, 207, All right. All right. 206. I'm there, I'm back. Okay, Jeff is at the top, mm -hmm. looking for the swanton, but now he angles away because Seamus has been moved out and we got a flying Jeff, the outside. Uh, we got to get things cooking here. Minute 50. Jeff's a little lackadaisical here, Matt. <laughs> crowd crowd is like, come on, let's go. The crowd do seem very into what we're doing here. Very into it. Uh, are we going for uh, Event Omega? I yes, think you are. are. There it is. All right. To the eye. One. Two last second save from Cesaro. Oh, the crowd bid on that one. Quick tag. Minute 12. Oh, man, the intensity. I'll be honest. I don't even remember the finish here. So, let's see. You're, yeah, you're, your eye is busted open bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I came down as opposed to doing a leg drop so I'd be able to walk the next day. Um, I did a, an elbow onto Seamus and his elbow came up and stuck right into my eye just as he was probably absorbing the impact of just splash. Mm -hmm. But you're working on adrenaline at this point. Tag double down. Here comes Jeff. Oh, this is a great tease of a finish here. Swanton. Oh, and, and it was a blind tag made by Cesaro and he sneaks one on Jeff. Oh, that's so fantastic. What a way to take the air out of it, huh? Yes. 20 seconds. And Jeff is, Jeff's got a chase. He looks at the clock. 10 seconds. This was also, this was also a Vince thing too. Six seconds. Twist of fate, but there's not enough time. And the Hardys lose. It's good. Look at that shot. I, uh, I, 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 I can't believe it. 
I, I, I like that match. I like that match a lot. I think that finish was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it helps that you got the blood too. Yeah, it was a, a happy accident. You can't believe it. The bar barely escaped with a win there. How many stars are you giving that one, Matt? Five. You're going five, cinco, five, cinco, five? Yeah, five, cinco, five, cinco, five. So I was actually pretty surprised by Dave's rating of this. Not that it matters, but we always like to check in on them. <laughs> uh, he gave it three and a quarter. And he says, the positive is the match was never dull and it was well laid out with the faces behind and chasing. But it never got great. The announcers tried to put it over as the greatest Iron Man match ever, and that was embarrassing because it was on the low end of Iron Man matches. Plus, they pushed it was the first tag team Iron Man match, and it wasn't that either. I, just, I mean, it's just, you know, Dave, Dave is looking for his taste of wrestling. He's looking for his style of wrestling. Yeah, this was this was very much a WWE match, and and I I love the WWE style. Dude, I love this match. I thought this was a really good match. I would easily go over four for this one. I thought you guys picked your spots perfectly. Everything was fluid and crisp, and you even getting the color. I think added a little bit to the finish of the match. It's got to be hard hitting those time cues, and Jeff and Claudio hit that time cue perfectly at the end there. I- this is so funny. Whatever this copy is that you gave me, it just like keeps every so often it'll like just go back and play the lap prior 30 seconds over again. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I gave you a perfect peacock copy that was <laughs> purchased and paid for. I have no, no idea of course, of course about. it was. Uh, but looking back fondly on this match, it, it, it seems like you're, you're down with it these six years later. Yeah. It's, it's better than I thought it was going to be in all, okay. in all honesty. Okay. We'll have to get Claudio on this podcast sometime soon because I th- I'd love to pick sure. his brain about you guys working together. Uh, if you'd like to get your product out here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, hit us up, advertisewithhardy.com. Promote your business to the extreme in front of thousands of listeners and viewers every single week. And, of course, head over to boxygimmicks.com. Pick up your Extreme Life of Matt Hardy merchandise. we got tank tops. we got these sick baseball tees, Matt Fact. Matt Fiction, boxofgimmicks.com. Oh, it looks so good, man. And make sure you come out and check us out at the legendary Kowloon, of course, July 18th. Tickets on sale now, matthardylive.com. Call 781-233-0077. I've been hearing from a lot of people that they've had a lot of success calling. So if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do that as well. Uh, Next week, Matt Hardy, uh, we are going to be doing something a little different. A guy that... Uh, people wouldn't necessarily associate with the Hardys right away, but he's a great wrestling mind. And I love when we do episodes like this, we're going to be talking all about Sean Waltman, X-Pac, a guy who I'm sure you got to know quite a bit during your enhancement days in WWE. And he's worked with both you and your brother quite a bit. What can we look forward to in discussing X-Pac? X-Pac is a very passionate individual. Uh, I've got a great story I'll share where he cursed Jeff out during the midst of one of our matches, myself and Jeff versus him and him and Kane. Uh, no, I, I'm a, I'm a big Sean Waltman fan and, uh, and, and I love his passion behind life and pro wrestling. Going to be a great episode on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Make sure you leave that five, cinco, five, cinco, five star review for us and tell everyone out there why you love the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Matt, I know you got to get out over to AW. Anything else you'd like to add here? 
Uh, yeah, no, uh, very excited. It's, it's a big night. We're here in Edmonton. We're in the midst. We're halfway through this Canadian tour, actually a little over half, I'd say. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a, a great episode of Dynamite tonight. Make sure to check it out. Uh, Rampage Friday, Collision on Saturday. AEW is uh, blasting on all throttles right now. Going to be great. 75,000 tickets sold so far for Wembley. Hopefully get to see you on that show. And we hope that you'll join us right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy next week. The words have been spoken. We will see you next time. Delete!